for clapping, AJ. Okay. <laughs> um, like Brienne prayed, uh, you know, we do have membership class that's coming up in about two weeks. And, you know, I became a member of New Philly, I think, about five years ago. <laughs> it's been so long that I can't remember. Um, but, you know, if you're new here and you're looking for a family to be a part of or you've been hopping from church to church, I just want to encourage you, you know, to really commit to a family, whether it's New Philly or whether it's um, another family, you know, here in Busan, uh, because there's just so much blessing that's poured out um, just by being in covenant relationship with the house. Um, so really don't hesitate to uh, just continue to see what God is doing here in New Philly. God is alive in this house. Um, you know, he's just working powerfully in so many people's lives. So I uh, just want to invite you to really take part in that. Um, yeah, so my name is Pastor Lydia. <laughs> Thank you for the welcome. <laughs> uh, so today I'm going to preach a word from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Actually, we're going to look at another chapter as well. Uh, but can you first turn, uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 through 20? Okay, let me read it. Uh, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So the context of this passage is, uh, you know, Moses... He, he was the one who God appointed to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. And, you know, he delivered, he delivered the people out of Egypt, and then they went into the wilderness. And rather than obeying God, the people of Israel responded with unbelief. And so God judged them to stay in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, it's a very well-known, common fact. You guys all know this. Uh, but if you read the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is speaking to the people of Israel in a kind of a three-part sermon. And this is in the 40th year of their time in the wilderness. So it's at the very last year, right before they're about to enter into the promised land. And this is right uh, before passing the mantle of leadership to Joshua. So he was about to step down from that position of leadership and give it to Joshua instead. And so this is kind of Moses' final words, like his last exhortation to the people of Israel. And his last exhortation is basically, choose life. Choose to love and to obey God. Choose to uh, live in the blessing of God rather than to live under the curse of God. Choose life over death. And the um, other passage that I actually want you to turn to is Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 through 15. Joshua 24, 14 through 15. I'm just going to read it. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, 
whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So, you know, Joshua, once again, he was the one who led the people of Israel into the promised land. And, you know, when they came into the promised land, uh, it wasn't like, oh, they just settled down. But they had to conquer the inhabitants of the land. And they had to uh, really just witness the supernatural victory uh, over the kings who were living in that land. And Joshua, at the end, he was the one who also divvied up the inheritance to the different uh, tribes of Israel. And uh, Joshua's final word was kind of the same. It was basically, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So both Moses and Joshua, they were kind of at a similar time in their lives, at the end of their leadership. And they led the people of Israel faithfully. You know, one man, Moses, he led them in the wilderness. Joshua, the other, led them through the promised land. Um, But now they're about to step down from their position of leadership. And they're about to actually die. But they both speak the same last words to the people of Israel. The message is simply choose. Uh, Choose whom you will serve. Choose God. Choose life. And today the title of my sermon, if you're taking notes, is Choose Life. I feel like the word of God for you today is the same. It's to choose life. Choose whom you will serve. You know, every day we're faced with choices. Uh, Today, if you woke up in the morning, you probably thought, should I take a shower or not? (laughs) Should I, what what clothes should I put on? Should I put on my pink shirt, Um, my yellow shirt? I don't know. You know, different choices that we have. Like, uh, should I eat lunch? Should I just skip it? When you go to Costco, you think, should I eat Costco, okay, should I eat Costco salad or should I eat cheese pizza, right? Cheese pizza, okay. (laughs) I love Costco salad. Um, So, you know, should I go on Facebook? It's another one, right? Although some of us is kind of like, oh, our hand just kind of goes there without even thinking. It's more like instinct, right? Um, But even now, you know, you have a choice to either tune me out or pay attention to what I'm saying. But don't tune me out. Uh, (laughs) You know, if all we had in life was to choose what movie to watch, you know, what to wear, what to eat, whether to watch Despicable Me Too or Monsters University, you know, life would be so much simpler. But, you know, and even as a child, actually, you know, there's really not many choices that you have. That's why, you know, the life of a child is actually, it seems very easy when I watch Karis. Um, And it's why, you know, a lot of parents, like, they give all these embarrassing hairstyles to their kids and this horrible fashion so that later on when you grow up, you're like, oh, my goodness, like, what were you thinking? Because you had no choice in it, right? <laughs> but uh, with age and maturity, we are faced with more and more choices in life and more complex choices. And I think for non-believers, it can in some ways be easier because they can choose whatever they feel is right. Whatever floats my boat, whatever feels right, whatever I think is right, I can choose that. But as believers, our choices must be conformed not to the reality of our circumstances or even our emotions, but to the truth of God's word. And as believers, every day, in every circumstance, we find ourselves at the crossroads of either choosing God to walk in the spirit or choosing to walk in the flesh. So when you're faced with trials and disappointments, the choice is yours to respond. Are you going to respond in joy or will you respond in anxiety? I like what Pastor Caleb always says where he says, uh, you know, you can initially have that anxiety, but you also have to 
move out of that place. And that choice is yours. Um, and, you know, even when somebody slanders you, you know, says all these things, gossips about you, how are you going to respond? And, you know, I want to start with a very obvious point about choosing, about choice, which is you can choose. You have the authority and the freedom to choose. Now, whether you're a believer or not, whether you're an adult or even a child, it doesn't really matter whether you're spiritually mature, you know, whether you've been walking with the Lord for 10 years or one year or a day, you have the authority to choose. As long as you are human, which all of us here are, you know, you have the authority and the freedom to choose. Your choices may be more limited or your choices may be uh, made based on your fleshly desires, but still the power to choose is fundamental to being human. And I think this is why uh, when you see a lot of like strong demonic oppression, like in North Korea, what you see is the limitation of choice. And that's how the enemy really stifles the human spirit is by limiting the choice, limiting their, you know, ability to choose what to say, you know, how to live, what to believe. And, you know, to be made in the image of God um, and to be essentially human is to have the ability or the authority to choose. A man is not a robot programmed to function according to some kind of set formula. But even from the beginning, God gave uh, Adam and Eve a choice to obey or to disobey, a choice to obey and live or a choice to disobey and die. Uh, Genesis chapter 2 verse 16 says this, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. I don't know about you, but whenever I, you know, uh, thought about this Garden of Eden story and the fall of man, I always wonder, like, God, why did you even put that tree there in the first place? (laughs) Like, that was the beginning of it all. Like, that tree just wasn't there. Like, we wouldn't have to be, you know, suffering from this this uh, malady of sin. And so it was always this question in my mind. Um, it's kind of like, you know, if you put like a cookie jar in front of a child and say, don't eat it. They're like, what? Like, why would you do that? Um, but, you know, eating from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it could have brought, in fact, it did bring sin into the world and it severed man's relationship with the creator. But the tree's existence in the Garden of Eden was also a sign that God's perfect plan wasn't to be in relationship with a bunch of minions, uh, mindlessly following him with no will, no choice of our own. But God desired that man would choose him, to love him, to choose to obey, to choose to be in relationship with him. And even if it meant to eventually send his only son to die on the cross, to reconcile man to himself, God gave man the power to choose or to reject him, to love him, or to hate him. Um, so choice is fundamental to the biblical worldview, to, ha- to a biblical worldview. God chooses, but also you choose, man chooses. Hebrews chapter 12, 25 says, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking, because it's possible that you refuse him. And the story of the Bible, as well as our own stories, our own lives, are written through the choices of God and the choices of man, and how those choices all interplay. So, for example, God chose Saul to be king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 10, you see uh, Samuel, you know, he, he, had, he had already anointed Saul as king. But this time he was showing Saul, or showing Saul before the people of Israel. And he says, uh, do, excuse me, um, do you see who, him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. 
And so God chose Saul to be king, but if you know the story of Saul, throughout his life, he chose to disobey God over and over again. And what happens is that leads God to reject Saul as king and to give the throne to David. He tore the kingdom of Israel from Saul's hand and gave it to David instead. So you can choose, and the reason that we're even called to repent is simply because you have the choice to do so. And I think this is a crazy thing, the mind-boggling, like, whoa, that kind of thing, is that your action and choices can actually affect the choices of God and vice versa. Um, In Exodus chapter 32, we see um, the people of Israel, they committed this sin of idolatry against God by making this golden calf, and they were worshiping this golden calf. And God, of course, his anger burned against them. And he said to Moses, I'm going to consume these people, and I'm going to instead make a great nation out of you. Basically, I'm going to eliminate these people from the face of the earth, and we're going to start fresh. (laughs) And you know, like, I think if it was me, I could have been like, all right. (laughs) Good idea, God. (laughs) But Moses, his choice was different. Instead of saying, okay, God, he said, but God, you brought these people out of the bondage from Egypt. And what would the people of Egypt say when you destroyed these people? What would they think? They would say that, God, you brought these people out just to destroy them. And he says, uh, you know, God, remember Abraham. Remember Isaac. Remember Israel. And keep your promise to them. And it says in verse 14 that the Lord relented. And the actual word here is repented or changed his mind. And through this story, we see that, you know, we partner with God in the shaping of our lives and on a larger scale in shaping history. Uh, Last week during Sunday Swim, I shared a bit about uh, my struggles with teaching. (laughs) So uh, when I came to Busan, really the only possible job out there in the job market was teaching. And when I was in Seoul, I was actually more into, like, editing and curriculum developing and things like that. But when I came here, like, I had no choice but to teach, and so I got a teaching job, (laughs) and then uh, for a year, I worked at elementary school, and then uh, starting from last, was it last year? No, this year, (laughs) on March, I actually, through Ine, our sister Ine, um, I got connected with Dongso University, and I got hired there, you know, God gave me this very uh, amazing job, university job that everyone wants, right, and... um, and I knew that, you know, God had chosen this job for me. Like, it was his favor that he was showing me. But then every time I had to go teach, I would feel this overwhelming sense of fear. And I don't know, like, exactly where that fear came from, whether it's, like, the fear of men, of, like, standing in front of people, although I'm standing in front of you guys right now. But it was this overwhelming sense of fear, like, this immense fear to the point that I just wanted to call, like, every morning and be like, I quit, <laughs> you know, like, sorry, but, you know, I quit. Um, and so one of the breakthroughs that I received last week was, I was sharing this in Sunday Swim, was it came through Pastor Benjamin uh, Robinson, who is Pastor Christian's spiritual father. Uh, he sends out these daily meditations, and he spoke about how when we forfeit our rightful place of authority, the things that should be beneath our feet become burdens that weigh us down. And so I, I started to realize, okay, this should be beneath my feet, the university teaching job that God gave is a blessing to me. It's not a burden. And so I was trying to really shift my mind and my heart um, around this truth. And so this week I was like, all right, you know, I got this. <laughs> I'm going to remain in that place of authority. I am capable. I am the perfect professor for my students. 
Um, but to be honest, like, it was still a struggle. And I was struggling through different emotions, you know, battling different things in my mind. Um, and I came to God. I was like, okay, God, comfort me. <laughs> you know, give me some kind of amazing revelation that will show how amazing of a teacher I am. Uh, or just miraculously take this fear out of my heart. And I was like, come on, God, like, help me out here. And, and then God just said, um, it's your choice. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, that's not biblical, God. Like, that's not how it works. Like, how, that, that's, so, that's so humanistic, God. Like, this, that's something, like, from a self-help book, isn't it? Like, you know, choose your way to happiness. Like, ten ways to choose happiness or something like that. Um, I was like, God, how it works is that you're supposed to give me joy right now and pour out new strength upon me and reaffirm my identity. And, you know, that's usually how God worked with me in the past. It's like when I would come to him, you know, broken or in need of affirmation, he'll be like, I love you, you know. I'll be like, yes. <laughs> but this time he was kind of like, no, you choose. You choose whether you want to stay in that place of unrest or you want to rise above it. I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> what is this? Um, and I realized that there's this mindset that we often carry that the ultimate deciding factor when it comes to our maturity, our growth, our breakthroughs, our spiritual state, our satisfaction in life, that deciding factor is God. You know, it's up to him and only him. The ball is in God's court and not mine. He's responsible for me. He needs to make it work out. And it, it is all his grace. Okay, let me make that clear. It is his grace. And yes, God is responsible for us. In fact, he chose us, and he's the one who decided to covenant with us. And in uh, Genesis 15, we see how when he makes a covenant with Abraham, you know, there's that whole story of how God alone walks through the, uh, the dead animals, the parted an the animal parts. And he does this, he, does, he walks through it alone because he wants to show Abraham that this covenant does not depend upon Abraham's faithfulness, but it depends solely upon God's faithfulness. And it's his choice rather than, um, depends on his choice rather than on man's actions. And in choosing us, God also took full responsibility for us, even to the point of sending his only son to die on the cross for our sins. But the lie is this, is that God's choice is all that matters when it comes to our walk with the Lord. But, you know, did you know that you have a choice too? Uh, in fact, not only do we have a choice, but God commands you to choose life. And your choice matters. Your choice has consequences. Uh, in in the, the Hebrew word for choose in uh, Moses' appeal in Deuteronomy 30 that we read, to choose life is baher. Okay? And, and this word baher, it's a, it's a verb, and it's an active verb. It's an active and complete verb. That means you do it. You choose. You have to decide. It's your decision, and when you decide, the action is done, it's finished. But first, you actually have to choose. Just because God has foreknowledge of your, about your choices doesn't exempt you from the responsibility to choose. And so I want to go over three different ways in which you can choose life. Okay. The first one is this. Choose life by stop making excuses and taking responsibility for where you're at. You know, when Pastor Benjamin came to Seaside, uh, he preached a message. And in the message, I don't remember 
many things about the message, but this one thing stuck with me. And he was talking about how he wanted to lose weight. <laughs> and you know, a lot of us have that. Well, maybe not a lot of us, but some of us. Uh, we want to lose weight, and he wanted to lose weight. And he was struggling with this, and one of the things that God said to him was, you're exactly the weight you want to be. I was like, man, that's harsh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is harsh. Um, but I feel like some of us need to hear this. And it's this, you're exactly where you want to be. You're exactly at the level of maturity you want to be. You're exactly at the level of intimacy with the Lord that you want to be. And this is a sobering word because you may feel like it's too harsh, um, but, you know, too many times I feel like we have a list of excuses of why we're not maturing, of why we're still at the same place for the last six years of our lives. And, you know, it's like, for example, if you have a fear of commitment, well, God, I can't go, I can't take membership class. I have this fear. And I'm not saying that that fear or that struggle or your past experiences are not legitimate. They are legit. But the difference is, are you recognizing it and making steps to choose life? Or are you recognizing it and choosing to just stay in that same place and choosing to become comfortable with where you're at? And, you know, a lot of us here, we are in small group. Uh, some of us are new to small group. Uh, and, and, and I just want to say, you know, you have to realize that what you gain from small group even and the level of breakthroughs that you experience, not just through small group, but even through the different messages that are preached from this pulpit, once again, there is a part that where it's up to you as well. You're like, wait, what? No, it's my, it's my small group leader. Like, they're responsible. They're the one who has to be anointed. It's up to their leadership capabilities. You know, it's up to their level of wisdom and their prophetic giftings and their this and their that. And it's not up to me. But you know what? You can be discipled by Jesus and still turn out to be a Judas. Why? Because in the end, it's your choice. You know, this is why after shepherding, guiding, discipling, teaching, rebuking, and interceding on behalf of the Israelites, both Moses and Joshua ended with the same message. It's your choice. Choose life. Choose whom you will serve. Because no one can force you to mature. In the end, it's your choice. No one can force you to draw near to God. No one can hold you at gun's point and say, submit or else. But when it comes to spiritual maturity, a lot of us have this attitude. Like, prove to me, pastor. Prove to me, small group leader, what you can do for me. You know, like, all right, even to God. All right, God, let me see what you got. Let me see how you can come through for me. And don't get me wrong. Expect God to release those breakthroughs. Expect your pastors and your small group leaders to shepherd you, to pray for you, to love on you, to speak truth over you. But make an active and intentional effort to take personal responsibility for your own maturity and growth as well. You see, Moses was an ideal leader for the people of Israel. God appointed him. God chose him, anointed him, equipped him, you know, and he was the one who split the Red Sea, you know, I mean, God split it through him, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, he was the one who, you know, split the Red Sea and, and, and brought the people out of bondage into the promised land. And yet the people of Israel, a generation of them died in the wilderness. You see, the most anointed leaders, the greatest leaders cannot circumcise stubborn and rebellious hearts. That's up to the Holy Spirit. And it's up to your choice. The most anointed leaders cannot ultimately take you into your destiny. Your obedience and the choices you make is the deciding factor, not the anointing of your leaders. 
So brothers and sisters, let us continue to examine our own heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to examine our heart to see if our heart has not been hardened in some area. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29, 18 through 19 says, Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. One who, when he hears the words of the sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. Um, the next way to choose life is choose life by choosing to obey the near word rather than waiting for a Kairos moment. I want us to turn to Deuteronomy 30, same chapter in Deuteronomy, uh, but verses 11 through 14. 11 through 14. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. find my place okay so the word here is that the word the word here is that the word <laughs> is near you uh, it's saying that obedience is not rocket science that you don't have to be a theologian you don't have to have a master's of divinity gone through you know three years of seminary um, and learned how to exegete different passages uh, you don't have to have a PhD to understand the commandments of God and to walk in obedience to them. Now, you don't need to climb some mountain or cross the oceans to attain some kind of uh, revelation that will bring you to that place of obedience. Um, but God, you know, what, like he did for Israel, over the course of Israel's history, he made himself known in so many ways. You know, he manifested his presence day after day, night after night. And, and he made himself known not only through manifesting his presence and power, but also through relaying his laws and precepts. And the same way in each of our lives, God has already, already made himself known through the word of God and through the circumstances of our lives. And for us who are living in this new covenant on this other side of the cross, we know that the word is more than just the law of God and the precepts of God, but it's also the person of Christ, Jesus who became flesh and dwelt among us. So God revealed himself already through Jesus Christ. Now we also have the Holy Spirit who continuously is revealing Christ to us. He is continually revealing himself to you, speaking to you. And, and he's the one who, is, who dwells inside of us, working in us to will and to act according to his good pleasure and empowering us to stand firm in our faith. See, God has already given you everything you need to take steps of, of obedience and to live within his blessings. And I think, I feel like sometimes obedience is a lot simpler than we make it. The thing is, a lot of us, we wait for some kind of a revelation or heavenly encounter with God that will suddenly transform our lives. You know, it's like the road to Damascus moment that, Paul, or that Saul had, and he became Paul. And we feel like, oh my gosh, God, you need to, you need to pull a Jericho for me, like, 
you know, where all these walls come crumbling down, or it needs to be like a stairway to heaven experience that Jacob had at Bethel, and we're just waiting for this kind of supernatural, like heavenly experience. Well, God is saying, obey the word that I've already placed in your heart. Obey me and what I have already made plain to you. Obey me in signing up for membership. <laughs> Some of you know this. You've already, you've already, uh, God's already been telling you over and over again that you cannot stay outside of covering and you must start to live, uh, live your Christian life, live, your wa- live out your walk with God, with the family of God. And even though you know it, it's like, it's almost like you're waiting for some, something or, or some kind of heavenly encounter to finally take away that fear of commitment. But I feel like God is just saying, just take that step of faith. You know, don't wait for three signs and wonders, but take that step of faith. You have to choose to do it, and you have to make that step of faith. Don't make things complicated, but simply obey. I, I don't think there's actually a wall because a lot of times we feel like there's this wall and we need breakthrough, right? Breaking through that wall. But I feel like there's just a door there. And that door may, is closed, but all you need to do is take a step and open that door and walk in. There's no wall there. There's only a door. And, and that door, it will be a door to your freedom. Okay, uh, my final point is choose life by rejecting death. And when you look at the Hebrew word for choose, Baher, okay, and you look at the pictograph, um, I hope I get the pronunciation of this right, but it's Bet Chet Resh, and it draws the picture of house fence person, okay? So when you look at the word Baher, it's house fence person. In other words, choosing is separating the person from the household. It's dividing one person from the rest of the family. Like Joshua said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So separation is actually an essential part of choice. Now, to choose life is to separate from all the other ways that lead to death. Choice requires that you draw lines. You can't say, I'm going to choose a healthy lifestyle and then choose to eat pizza and Coke every day. You can't go in both directions. In choosing one door, you have to shut the other one. And you know, if you know me, I'm, I'm a firm believer in process. And I've preached, or in my previous messages, I've talked about how, you know, in my own walk with the Lord, God has really just uh, shown himself to me more along a process than these miraculous, like, bam, kind of moments. And so I'm a firm believer in process. And I believe that God takes his people on a journey of sanctification. And so I stand upon his promises, like Romans 8:28, which says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. And Philippians 1.9 says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so I believe that, you know, God's grace is sufficient for us in our walk with him. And I believe in God's timing and I believe in his sovereign grace. Um, But as much as I believe in the process and as much as I value the journey with God, I don't want to see detours and delays in the lives of God's people, including my own. And I'm not talking about divine delays or God-ordained detours because sometimes God will take us a long ways that we didn't really see 
um, coming. And God will take us on these unexpected, unexpected paths. Uh, nor am I underestimating the Lord's grace to once again turn everything around for our good. And our church is actually full of uh, people with testimonies like this. People who kind of, you know, went, went straight a little here, backslid a little there. Um, case in point, <laughs> Pastor Caleb and Mina. And uh, when you hear their stories, it's like, wow, God, you are alive and you are amazing and you are so good. And, you know, is, he is a God of grace who, whose love is sufficient to cover a multitude of sins and more than compensate for all of our shortcomings. No, he is faithful, but his amazing grace can never legitimize and become an excuse for us to continue in ways, mindsets, lifestyle patterns, or behaviors that he has clearly been asking us to forsake and do away with. Now, when we choose God, we reject all that is not of God. There is no God and. Now, it's when we start doing that, God and, that we start getting pulled in two different directions. God and, and what happens when you're physically pulled in two different directions is you're just stagnant. You're, you just stay in the same place. You don't make much progress. And some of us, we're being pulled into two different directions. God and then my own flesh, my what I want and what I feel comfortable with. And all, you know, all that is not of God. I want to just exhort you to forsake it. Because if you don't forsake the and... <laughs> You're not going to make steps forward. And uh, it's going to be just, your life will just be a process of detours and delays. And, you know, some detours may happen, but if possible, why not avoid them, right? Why not choose to stay on course? Like, why not choose to not get off the wrong exit on a highway? Why not choose to not fall asleep on the subway and miss your stop? <laughs> Done that before. Um, <laughs> And it's not because you will get lost forever and never find your way back home, but it's because the destination can be reached so much faster with so much more efficiency and less stress and frustration. There's no shepherd that wants to see his sheep wander in the wilderness for 40 years when the destination can be reached in a matter of days. So today, uh, my message to you is, is simple, is to choose life. It's to stop the wandering, stop the detours, stop the delays to stop the excuses believing that i guess one day eventually you know i'll mature eventually i'll come to the place that i need to come to eventually you know god will bring me to that place um believing that you have all the time in the world or believing that you have no choice in the matter but you know your maturity is also your responsibility as well and so um yeah you know take yourself seriously uh, choose, take yourself seriously and choose life. And remember that, you know, God loved us first, which is why we can love him. And the same way God chose you first, which is why you, you are enabled to choose him in every matter of your life. All right, can you bow your head with me? I just want to give you a time to uh, just pray to the Lord. Uh, you know, you know best what areas in your life that God has been speaking to you over and over again. You need to make this step.
You need to make this step. And, you know, this message is kind of in line with what Pastor Caleb preached uh, last week about coming out of your comfort zone. And, and it feels uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable uh, to choose life. It feels uncomfortable sometimes to step out of um, the place that we are most familiar with, which even can be things that are detrimental to us, like fear. But, you know, I feel like there's a grace today for you to choose life. And so I want you to think about what area in your life where you can take that step of faith with the Lord. And I want you to just pray to him quietly on your own and say, God, I choose you. I choose life. I choose life. I choose you, God. I choose to live in your blessing. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that you chose us first, God. I thank you, Lord, that, God, whether we deserved it or not, God, you chose us first. You are the one who made us deserving, God, by by you choosing us, Lord. And, Father, I thank you, Lord, that on this day, God, in this moment, Father, that you are giving your people courage, God, to make a choice, Father, to choose you, God, in whatever area, Father, that... Uh, your people have been struggling with. Father, I just release a grace, God, to choose you. God, to choose life. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that it is by your grace, God. And so, Father, pour out your grace, Lord, upon us, Lord, to move beyond, God, our comfort zone, to move beyond, God, just the place that we've been wandering in for years, God. (laughs) Give us, Lord God, the grace to move forward, Lord. And God, I pray that whether... Uh, we've been choosing you, and, and, and there's, no, there's no issue with that in our lives or not, God. I, I pray, Father, that uh, throughout our lives, God, that it would be our cry, the cry of our heart, God, that we would choose you, Lord. Whether we're in the wilderness, Lord, whether we're in the promised land, God, it doesn't matter, Lord. God, I pray that in everything we would choose you. We will say, I choose you, God. I choose life. So, Father, I pray for abundance, God, of life, Lord, to flow in this community, Lord as we make an intentional decision to choose you above all, Lord. Father, we thank you. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.